1: Welcome to Name Three Songs. I'm Sarah Fagan. I'm Jenna Millian and this is a podcast where we discuss feminist issues in music and pop culture, all while empowering fangirls. Because let's be honest, fangirls knew about that band way before you did.
2: And if you stick around long enough, we'll also let you in on some new music the girls are already crazy about. So today we have a very formative episode for you guys. Which I'm very excited for us to get into this topic because it's something that's real important to Jenna and myself and should be really important to you guys too. So Jenna, do you want to give us some info about what we're talking about today? It would be my honor
1: because you know what? It's not every day that I come up with an episode topic, guys. <laughs> <laughs> this episode is a little bit of my brainchild plus a lot of Sarah's knowledge coming together to make this an awesome episode. Essentially, we are talking about media literacy in the context of TikTok and fake news and just the insane world that we live in on the internet in the year 2022. If you guys heard our last episode, you know that we gave a shout out to our Patreon episode, which was also about media literacy. We do a lot more of media literacy literacy 101 and sarah breaking down what a lot of different things mean from blind items to anonymous sources to getting legal checked so some of that is going to come into play today and that's on patreon.com slash name through songs if you guys want to do more of a deep dive but today's episode was inspired like all the way back in august and kind of like a lot of stories that piled up after that starting with the new york times op-ed that went out about Harry Styles sexuality and then there was a Rolling Stone story about Gaylor that also set the internet ablaze and so we were kind of seeing this theme and then I came across like a Meghan Markle story in the Daily Mail where they were just like using a TikTok user to like say what they wanted to say instead of just saying it with their whole chest (laughs) so it's kind of like a lot of really weird scapegoating of like the media being like look fans are saying this or like look this TikTok user is saying this and then TikTok users being like oh my god the media reported on Gaylor which means Gaylor's real and it's like neither of those things have a lot of truth to them but because the way that information is being spread on TikTok it just makes things a lot murky these days and people don't really have a lot of media literacy and as two professional journalists (laughs) just kidding I have a degree in PR Sarah has a degree in journalism I think we take for granted the fact that we do know a lot about how the media works more than most people yeah and so this episode is a little gift of education today (laughs) and we're gonna get into like all the topics that i just mentioned previously
2: yeah we thought like this was a really important discussion like jenna mentioned already with some articles that were popping up as well as everybody's favorite drama turnout (laughs) factory of the don't worry darling set amongst other things we just felt like where pop culture and journalism and media and TikTok and music all kind of like collided it was a very messy place and it's been kind of terrifying to watch because as we talked about with asia romano in our episode about the amber heard johnny depp trial A lot of, like, conspiracy theory and, like, misinformation spread on the internet is really pushed by very right-wing people online, and they will find these things and kind of weasel their, their way in and spread misinformation and make things worse. And sometimes, you know, people who like pop culture but might not understand journalism or might just want to, like, enjoy, quote-unquote, a conspiracy theory, they'll fall into these holes of believing things because it's just easier to believe something that, like, sides with them or sides with, like, a celebrity that they like or something along those lines.
1: Yeah. But on that note, I also think, you know, when we say like, oh, this comes from the right wing, like, I think there's like a misconception that only the right wing does this. Yeah. Because I think it's now become so mainstream. And so like, even Asia said this on that episode is like, now it's just mainstream to the point that people aren't realizing that they may even be contributing to it as like a TikTok creator. Yeah. As like a news, a new quote unquote pop culture news reporter as a TikTok creator, they may not even be realized what they're doing. And then people are just people are essentially people are just feeding into everything. And so I think it's easy to say, oh, well, like the right wing does that. But like, I don't do that. But it's yeah. like, no, like we're literally seeing this happen across the every aspect of the internet, no matter how liberal you are or not.
2: Yeah. But I think we're kind of seeing this issue of, like Jenna said, it's like when a reputable site reports on something that is known as like fan lore or conspiracy or whatever the case is, it kind of gives it a sense of of legitimacy to those fans who believe in that fan lore. And so when you see these creators on TikTok who users of the app who either just comment or just watch or whatever the case is, have some sort of parasocial relationship with They'll see them talking about this thing and then that thing will be reported in Rolling Stone or in the New York Times or on the Daily Mail or whatever the case is. And it's like all of a sudden this random person with no background in journalism who just enjoys pop culture, who just talks about articles that have been published by somebody else and then uses that to come up with their own ideas or like invents thoughts by listening to taylor swift songs or whatever the case is if we have articles like that rolling stone article about gaylor like that gives it some sort of legitimacy that then spirals out of control where then when people who don't understand how journalism works see those things they're like oh this is proof that this is real but that's not how journalism works unfortunately 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 <laughs> And that's where things get complicated because there are so many layers to it, especially now that we're in this TikTok news reporting era of the Internet and how people find out information. Because it's essentially people playing telephone with news where they'll be like, oh, I heard this from this place and that place heard it from this place because when you read an article like from the daily mail or page six, which are two of the bigger like pop culture news sites, they're usually the ones or TMZ, like those three are usually the ones that get the information first and then other sites will report on that and they'll link back to them. And then other sites will report on that and they might link back to two different sites and you'll constantly see these linking back situations. But let's say that the person on TikTok believes like cosmopolitan more than they believe page six and then they quote page six from cosmo all of a sudden it becomes like they're regurgitating regurgitated news and when things go through that many channels things start to get muddled and confusing and then on top of that a lot of times these pop culture people on tiktok will be asked in their comments by their followers, well, what's your viewpoint on that? And then they'll share their personal thoughts, and those thoughts will be taken as truth rather than opinion, and then it just spirals out of control. Because then you run into what Jenna said, is you have these articles like on the Daily Mail and Meghan Markle where the Daily Mail's like, oh, a news person on TikTok gave their opinion, and now we're reporting it as fact. And it's like, no,
1: no, don't. yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, Sarah and I have personal experience with this because when we started this podcast in the year of... 2020. When we started this podcast in literally August 2020 and we were doing One Direction episodes, we were doing what we always do. We quote from articles and then we share our opinions. People were like, You can't lie on, you're lying and you can't lie on the internet. (laughs) This is an opinion podcast. Like, yes, we are discussing news and giving our opinions. Like, our opinions are not facts. Like, you guys can make educated decisions also. You don't always have to agree with us. Yeah. We try to be as feminist as we can but we don't have all the information in the world. And so it's just funny cuz it just reminded me of like people in the very very beginning called us out saying you're saying lies on the internet when i when the quote unquote lies were our opinions.
2: Yeah. Which is my favorite thing cuz we had a disclaimer on our podcast for like a year. For a long time. That was like yeah. this is an opinion podcast like fuck off. <laughs> because like that's the whole thing is it's like we never once haven't said that this is not an opinion podcast it's an education plus opinion podcast on pop culture and music (laughs) like that's what it is like from our personal like feminist viewpoints on all of these things and like our personal education and all that but it's also like when you read any sort of educational paper and there's thousands of sources, you get an hour ish long podcast episode and we give you like tens of sources. So it's like we're doing the research we're doing all these things and that's the other issue when it comes to TikTok. TikTok doesn't let you link out in these things so you literally have to have the article as the green screen background as the only way to cite something and if somebody is not doing that Like, there's no proof of what they're saying because they can't share where they're getting their information from. And that's the other issue on top of that is if a creator on TikTok is big enough, has a big enough following, people don't even care what their sources are. Most of the time when people are being asked for their sources, it's when they're like our size. Like, you have like a mid-tier sort of size where people are like, oh, who are you? What are your sources? Where'd you get this information from?
1: It's like, oh, now you care about, like, integrity? I mean, Twitter is made to tweet Links and people still don't read, so it doesn't like even if TikTok linked out, it wouldn't even matter. Yeah, like, the same conversation would be ha- being have had right now. But we do have some context to back up everything, all the opinions that we're saying right now. <laughs> we do actually have some some stats. First of all, just to give a one on one of what is media literacy, we have a definition here from. The Center for Media Literacy, which is a leading advocacy organization, which explains media literacy as a framework to access, analyze, evaluate, create, and participate with messages in a variety of forms, from print to video to the internet. Media literacy builds an understanding of the role the media plays in society, as well as essential skills of inquiry and self-expression necessary for citizens of a democracy, which is funny that they throw that in at the end. I guess freedom (laughs) of the press, right? But I think, you know, when we talk about the media, when Sarah and I say the media, we usually mean journalists and publications, but when we talk about media at large, that can be movies. That can be TikTok, that can be music videos, that can be music. And so there's other sources where we're getting this information and we're compiling all these things. And that's like what shapes our worldview and our opinions.
2: So there was this really interesting article on The New Statesman written by Sarah Manavis in July of 2022 called We Should Fear TikTok's Influence on News Media, which I found really interesting. And so in this article, Sarah writes about a report from Ofcom which shows that TikTok is the fastest-growing news source for adults, which is people over the age of 16 in the UK, with 7% using it specifically to access news, typically from charismatic personalities on the app rather than accounts belonging to traditional news outlets. And in the U.S., the share is even greater, with a quarter of adults using TikTok to get their news, rising to half of millennial and Gen Z adults, so people under 41, 50% of us, use TikTok to find out news information, which is literally insane. And on top of that, Sarah also writes that in June of 2022, the annual digital news report from the Reuters Institute at Oxford University found that nearly four in 10 people regularly avoid the news because they find it too depressing and that more people are forgoing traditional news channels to get their news from TikTok and Instagram. And a senior research associate named Nick Newman from Reuters Institute told The Guardian that even young people mostly don't see TikTok as a platform for serious news. So, like, a lot of people who are using the internet don't necessarily view TikTok as, like, a place that you're going to get factual information. They view it as a place that you go just to like find somebody making things like more easy breezy understandable for you. And yet for that being said,
1: people take the information on TikTok way too seriously. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, my my favorite thing in this article is that Sarah writes, the most popular news videos on the app tend to come from people who are effectively quote news influencers Individual creators who record themselves discussing news stories to camera. So, like I said, it's people in front of a screenshot of a pre existing news article reading that news article as if they are a newscaster. And the other thing that is interesting is that like a lot of the really popular accounts on TikTok and the New Statesman also reports on this are like these accounts that will find sensationalized stories like conspiracy theories and all these things and use the tone of like, this is crazy or you'll never believe what's happening in Korea. And like shit like that where they like say these things in like this really like sensationalized tone and it's like clickbait in a video but like those kind of videos are some of the most popular and the same sort of things with like really salacious celebrity news stories because to most people celebrity news is like light breezy easy
1: like news to digest but not anymore it it shouldn't be (laughs) (sighs) uh I mean, Johnny Depp versus Amber Heard, anyone? Yeah. I mean, copy paste this Asia Romano episode when we talked about this. Yeah. A-, a lot of this comes into play here of things that you assume are easy breezy news. You hear one person's opinion and you're like, oh, I guess that's the opinion I'm going with. Yeah. And then you don't question it. And it's dangerous. And that's kind of like where
2: this article goes into of stating that the biggest problem like with the internet in general is like how users obtain trustworthy information and sarah writes the increasing dominance of social media means that valuable news is quickly being crowded out by oversimplified and often inaccurate stories that prove to be algorithmically popular and she writes quote infotainment which I love I love that term as a phenomenon is not unique to social media nor is it always inherently sinister traditional news is more often than not a for-profit business and creating stories that grab attention on television in print and in digital formats has long been a priority the Daily Mail the Sun, TMZ, yeah. Page Six, etc. Yeah. But then you do have places like the BBC that aren't per profit and they are long-established organizations and They have huge amounts of money that go into vetting processes and fact checking and all that sort of stuff. But like at the same time, like people don't want to go and watch the BBC because it's going to be like cut and dry and
1: straight to the point when it comes to news. And
2: people want something quote unquote more exciting.
1: You know, something I just thought of is when we talk about tabloids, which we love to talk about tabloids (laughs) on this podcast, is... Tabloids often have a hinge of bias, you know, This and usually it's laced to misogyny as we've spent a lot of hours calling out in this podcast. And so it's like, now we're like, oh, tabloids are bad. Like, tabloids are inherently going to vilify women or vilify whatever, paint people in a negative light. Like, that's, that's what the clickbait is. But nobody thinks that about TikTok creators. Yeah. And here's the thing is like, you don't have a parasocial relationship with a Daily Mail, <laughs> <laughs> but do you have a parasocial relationship with a TikTok creator? Absolutely. And so it's kind of interesting that it's like, we're in this era where it's like, we know tabloids are probably reporting things in a negative light, mm. but we don't think that about TikTok creators. And this is not to say that every TikTok creator is reporting things in a negative light. I think it's more so when you have a parasocial relationship, somebody, you hear their opinion and you believe that opinion and you don't think of it in other ways. Just like us. I mean, like y'all could believe our opinions. You could like have the same opinion as us, but like that doesn't mean you shouldn't get more than one opinion to like open your mind on it. Yeah. And I think like the, the Heard heard is like a great example of that. It's like people just believe the first thing they heard. They believe that, Oh, Amber heard's a liar. They didn't, do any digging they didn't find any other opinions on the matter the other opinions on the matter weren't really there to be found as we explained in that whole episode but then it's like once you have more information and once you do hear other you know i almost want to say like educator advocates like i mean michael hobbs a huge journalist that you know we look up to and did a huge you know kind of expose on this like amber heard situation they both you know, have the skill set to be educators, to be journalists, to do the digging, but also do have a feminist bias, essentially. Yeah. And so I think in that regard, it's important to get your information from more than one place. And when you're on TikTok constantly, it's easy to just believe the first opinion that you hear.
2: Yeah. And I think also on the uh, Depp Heard situation also, like, so many people like you said, Jenna, like, weren't doing research, weren't digging into it, weren't getting anything else other than, like, the salacious nonsense that was being spread, and so they were out here being like, see, Johnny Depp was found not guilty of being an abuser, and it's like, that's not what the trial was about. Because people aren't trying to get more information. And it's the same sort of things where it's like, if you believe that Taylor Swift is a closeted lesbian or whatever the case is, and there's these people on TikTok whose whole entire TikTok account is about gayler conspiracies and being like, if I find out that Taylor's not actually gay, her song lyrics are not going to have any meaning to me anymore. Like It's going to be useless. Like I would have wasted all this time on her. And it's like, you're the one who created that narrative. Like, it's completely possible that Taylor also created that narrative. But as of right now, you created that narrative, not Taylor. Because Taylor is out here publicly with a man. And so, we have no idea. But, like, according to Taylor's narrative of her life, that's not the case. And so, it's like, you've already made it up. But you're also trying to convince yourself that, like, well, she's never said no. So, therefore, my narrative could be right. And that's where things get dangerous in regards to like news and that sort of thing where it's like people can take things too far where they're being like well i haven't been told no so therefore my thoughts have to be right and it's like okay a bunch of people didn't tell hitler no and look where that got us you're not wrong you're
1: <laughs> not wrong yeah you're not wrong <laughs> and it's and, it's, <laughs> and, it's,
2: and it's terrible i'm like obviously i'm not comparing gaylers to nazis but <laughs> But like, I'm just- <laughs> and so Sarah from the New Statesman also says in this article, the same thing as Jenna was saying about how not everybody on TikTok is prioritizing salacious news. A lot of them want to get out just like cut and dry, straight to the point, real news, just like the BBC do. But you never know. And as she writes, many accounts are run by individuals with their own interests and motivations, most obviously making their own account more popular. TikTok's algorithms give news influencers an incentive to cover topics that gain views. Quote unquote crazy or fun or oversimplified versions of serious stories flourish. Social media is a place where serious news is disregarded to make room for alternative types of light infotainment that are more profitable, more extreme, and more likely to be riddled with misinformation. It is a place Mm. where reality can be simply ignored. And I feel like that is really the point of like why we wanted to have this conversation about how there are certain stories that get more clicks that get more v- views that get more interest that get more people talking like somebody made a TikTok the other day about showing harry styles with all the like questionable people he's hung out with in their life and they're like You are just like your friends. You're just like your friends. And on my personal TikTok, I just like stitched it and was like, oh, like this is like something that Jenna and I have been talking about a lot about how it's kind of weird who Harry has chosen to date in the past or hang out with or like publicly be associated with when like his whole thing is like treat people with kindness. And how it's, like,
1: hard to... James Corden is not... (laughs) In case you haven't been paying attention, James Corden does not treat people with kindness. Yeah,
2: neither does Kendall Jenner. I mean, years ago, like, Kendall Jenner got, like, reamed on the internet for going to Babies All Right in Brooklyn and racking up, like, a thousand of dollars bar tab and then not tipping these are the people that Harry has surrounded himself with and it's like everybody kept being like he's an Aquarius of course which I didn't know what that meant and they're like oh they're people pleasers like they just hang out with people. blah, blah. It's like they stop making excuses
1: stop yeah. it like he's an adult man and this is his brand yeah she will with him and this is his brand yeah you know and 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 this is a th- he chose that and this
2: is a thing like like they say it's like every account is run by an individual who has their own interests and has their own motivations and has their own opinions on things and like jenna said it's like this is an opinion podcast yes we focus a lot on education and trying to help people be better at having critical thoughts about these things and be better at being midi- media literate and all of this stuff but our own personal views are always going to sink in like we're talking about every episode that we talk about are things that Jenna and I uh, care about or are passionate about or have opinions on, Uh, you know? But like... Sarah's always gonna hate Ashton Irwin. (laughs) Yeah, no matter what. (laughs) (laughs) It's, It's just always gonna be the case. And like we can try and be as unbiased as we want, but our own personal bias is always going to like slip in there. As y'all know, with how we talk about Harry Styles, it's like, I can be as unbiased as I want, but I will slip in there some dumb shit about him because of course I'm going to, because that's who I am, you know? But I think compared to a lot of other people online, Jenna and I can pride ourselves on the fact that we're very transparent on what is our opinion. Whereas a lot of other people are not very good at, admitting even sometimes that like their opinions slip into their reporting which happens a lot especially in regards to things like the Olivia Wilde Harry Styles don't worry darling situation of it all because no matter how unbiased people want to be no matter how feminist people want to be the fangirl is going to always scratch her way up to the top and be like we hate Olivia Wilde hate her she's the worst and have like no real reason behind hating her and like not do any research into like anything about her to make a real opinion and just be like well she's dating harry styles and ruined her relationship for him and it happens
1: so before we get into all of the good hot. Tea, gossip, drama, news of the century, which don't worry, darling, and many other things. I do want to give one more stat. So, this is just like slightly more context as to why, yes, we've talked a lot about TikTok and why TikTok in particular is kind of bad with the media literacy stuff, but the, there's just a few more reports here I found. One of them comes from a reporter named Helen Lee Boyges. In Forbes, in which she writes that the Reboot Foundation surveyed more fi- more than 500 Americans and explored the intersections of conspiracies, science knowledge, critical thinking, and media literacy. The survey found that about 25% participants were open to believing at least one of the conspiracy theories they tested. People who rely heavily on social media for their information were more likely to believe, as were people who identified with being politically conservative. So this is kind of what I said earlier about like, oh, the right... Right wing is like that, I'm not like that. It's like, <laughs> no, we probably are all a little bit like that, and probably could check ourselves every now and then. <laughs> and then another article that I found really interesting was Immashable in by Chase De Benedetto and Alana Cavender in October of of this year again talking about TikTok, and they quote from a 2020 gallup poll that found that only 16 percent of surveyed adults felt that they had a great deal of trust in newspapers and then I, they go on to talk about how people are forming these parasocial relationship with TikTok creators so i just think it's very interesting and this article in particular talks a lot about the distrust in media and i think some of this has to go back to things like fox And all of the very right-wing conservative bullshit and very biased opinions that they give on there that are passed off as facts, that are passed off as just being fed to people, again, it's like, oh, the right-wing does that. Like, I would never. I would never believe things that are fed to me. (laughs) But I think it's interesting that across the board, I think it's because publications like that, it's like Fox, it's like they've been around forever. They're a huge media conglomerate. Like, you would think they would be better than that. Like, you would think. And so I think it's things like these that lead people to distrust all media in general and again the lack of media training as I mentioned earlier Sarah and I both have college training on media literacy and I think that's something that we take for granted of like most people don't have the type of college education about media literacy that we do
2: yeah And I think that that's why we're so passionate about sharing this on like this platform that we've created because we are to some degree aware that like we are privileged for having this information and for knowing this. And I know that like I'm one of a small percentage of people who work in journalism and have friends who work in journalism and able to like be surrounded by this and like gain on the job knowledge of how this stuff works that most people don't have and people think that they understand a lot more things than they really do because everybody like wants to be an expert but also I think that it's interesting from this Mashable article that you were just quoting from about how only this very small percentage of adults that were surveyed had a good amount of trust in newspapers and that people have been forming these parasocial relationships with creators is that when I was a kid growing up I would go to like my grandma's apartment in the city and she would watch like her specific news program and like I'd go to my grandma's house out on Long Island and like my grandparents would be watching like their specific news program because they liked the certain newscasters. But I think especially since like Donald Trump's presidency, there's also been less trust in the quote unquote mainstream media. So yeah. even having and and these are supposed to be like trusted news outlets. And instead of having that trust in those people are like, oh, like they're controlled by the big media, whatever the case is. And then you'll go on these social media platforms and find these seemingly normal people Who like you have no idea if they are even a normal person. Like you have no clue. Like you really don't. Like
1: they could be aliens.
2: (laughs) No, you know what I mean. Like they could.
1: They could be murderers. They could.
2: They could be being like, oh, like I'm an unbiased news thing. But they could be like, like super conservative and just not talk about their quote unquote personal political views, but report on news from like a more Fox News minded mindset. Or they could be like anti LGBTQ plus and like report news from that mindset or whatever, but because you like them and they also post like get ready with me's or whatever else they post on their personal platform, because like not everybody just has like a news focused social media page. You know, like if you went on like my personal TikTok, it's a mostly me screaming about fangirl thoughts, but then every now and again, I'll post something that doesn't pertain to name three songs but, about like uh, some sort of pop culture thing. But if you go on name three songs, it's mostly us talking about informative shit. <laughs> it's mo- mostly It's mostly us talking about like stuff we talk about in our podcast episodes. Like these sort of things and then there's like 20 percent of like fangirl behavior because that's what a big portion of our podcast is anyway and so th- there are people who don't only post news like they post other things and so you develop these parasocial relationships like hello teffy is a good example where she'll post these like huge long deep dives on like celebrity feuds or like celebrity relationships or whatever the case is but then she'll also post about like her personal relationships and like other stuff like that and there's so much content on her page other than just pop culture but you might have initially followed her for one thing and then found the other thing and then it's like oh but there is still like some sort of bias from everyone you know
1: yes absolutely and i think to your point the parasocial relationship thing is also how a lot of like fan lore has become a lot more popularized among Mm -hmm. fandom in recent years i mean like the two biggest examples that like to talk about the elephant in the room is Gaylor and, of course, Harry's sexuality. And it just feels like these two topics, like the sexuality of Harry Styles and Taylor Swift, have become such a huge conversation in the past few years that, like, yes, we know these have been going on for a long time. They both have, of course. But it just feels like Anytime they do anything these days, everything is about that. And this was both kind of what sparked the idea for this episode, but it's a huge example of how part of the TikTok, part of the building parasocial relationships, part of the reinforcement of your own biases is that these fandom theories are being spread much more rapidly to much wider audiences to the point where they've now been reported on or done opinion pieces in major news publications being the new york times and rolling stone and because they're being reported on these publications it is then giving fans some type of validation and credibility a lot of what we saw around the Specifically, the the Taylor Swift-Gaylor-Rolling Stone article was the journalist was saying fans are having these conversations online, but because Taylor Swift has a history of relationship with Rolling Stone and being on the cover, now fans are saying there's no way Taylor's team would approve this article because she has a relationship with Rolling Stone. But that is not how the news works. No,
2: it is not. And this is, again, where my privilege of working for a news outlet and having written somewhat unhinged shit before for a news outlet comes into play. I've written an article about how MGK, when he put out Tickets to My Downfall, was like helping with the resurgence of pop punk, which is bullshit. And I wrote another... (laughs) And I wrote another article that was approved. That was about how Emily in Paris is self-insert fan fiction. So like, I literally I just mean, like, I mean, it's it not is. a lie, but you know, like, <laughs> I, I they're like ridiculous articles that Netflix doesn't have to be like, oh yes, you can say that this story that like professionals wrote is just a fan a YN <laughs> fanfic brought to life, like. Nobody's suing me for writing that article, but like
1: that's your opinion. Yeah, it's
2: opinion, and that's the thing. Yeah, but they're not posted in the op-ed section of the site. It's just like, oh, here's a discussion. Let's write about it on this site.
1: Yeah. So the Harry Styles like sexuality discussion happens as an op-ed opinion piece in the New York Times, whereas the Gaylor one that happened in Rolling Stone was reporting on fandom conversation. So there's a bit of a distinction there, but when I was reading the Gaylor one, it just kept reminding me of, like, especially in earlier days of the internet, and this still happens, of, like, when really big pop culture events happen people go to tweet about it and they use hashtags and then those hashtags are easily looked up by journalists and then journalists would be like here's what everyone is saying about the 2014 vmas yeah. and then it's like a collection of tweets and that's what it made me think of of this is like the fast forward 10 years in the future version of that of it's like here's what fans have created on the internet and it's entirely different than here's a bunch of different people's opinions about miley cyrus at the vmas
2: yeah and the other thing is is it's like when you write an article that is reporting on something that's happening on the internet you don't have to send articles like this To an artist team for comment because you're not talking specifically about the artist. You're discussing what that artist's fans are saying about them. You don't have to be like, oh, we asked Taylor for comment because you're not quoting Taylor. You're not using actually her for the story, you're using her fans for the story. And it's the same for the op ed about Harry and Harry's sexuality and how this person who wrote this op ed is like, oh, we should, we're owed Harry's sexuality. It's ridiculous that we're not given access to like who he's fucking, which like you guys know where we stand on that, which is that's nobody's fucking business. It can get a little annoying when people are using the idea of a sexuality as like part of their brand without acknowledging that maybe. are part of that community or whatever the case is but that doesn't mean that we should be given access to that because just because somebody's a public figure doesn't mean that we're owed access to their private life which is the same for Harry and Taylor but as Jenna said an op-ed is so much different than a reported piece in a news outlet because an op-ed is straight up front being like this is an opinion piece this is one singular person's opinion And we gave them access to have this published because they felt passionately about this. And the New York Times has like full on op-ed, like that's their job is just to write opinion pieces. Like that's what their role is at the New York Times. And that's fine. And so nobody took that as like gospel. Nobody saw that op-ed about Harry Styles and was like, ah, yes, the New York Times is giving access to like facts about Harry. Personally, I was annoyed when I saw that article because I'm like, this is a reputable site. They should not be giving somebody any opportunity to be like, we're owed access to people's sexuality because I think that's stupid. But that's my personal opinion. And in that article, the author wrote this one, like, really unhinged thing about how Mr. Styles' performance and exorbitant ticket prices make his identity our business, which I think is ridiculous and they pull in these ideas of like he skips on stage with what has become the most corporate friendly symbol of resistance a rainbow flag he deals in less obvious symbols of his possible queerness too with flowers pinned to a lapel which like oscar wilde was known to wear and a scrap of blue fabric dangling suggestively from a back pocket which like a group of of gay men used to do And the words, never going to dance again, tattooed across his feet, which was song lyrics by once closeted singer george michael but it's like just because you have the lyric tattooed on you by a queer singer doesn't make you queer that's not how being a music fan works and so there were just like bits and bobs in that article that i just was like this is unhinged and i feel like the new york times should have maybe thought a bit more before publishing it but again it's an opinion piece so like that's how opinion pieces work you're allowed to feel strongly one way or the other at the end of the day the
1: new york times doesn't care about harry's sexual Sexuality. Yeah, exactly. Like, like, so there was no higher ups who were gonna be like, "Hmm, maybe we shouldn't publish this."
2: Yeah, but that's the thing because quote unquote normal people who run a newspaper aren't thinking about how salacious it would be for an op ed like this to be posted. Like, they're not thinking about it. And honestly, there like wasn't as much discourse around this article as I thought there would be. Personally, I was annoyed by it, so I wanted to bring it up.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of the discourse is that this conversation already happens among fans. It is interesting that like it, it maybe the fact that it was an opinion piece yeah. didn't use it f- as fuel for fans to be like well if it post it was posted in the new york times therefore it must be true like yeah. maybe it was just so obvious it was an opinion piece nobody could say that because that was the same rhetoric that was used for the gaylor piece of like wolf well, rolling stone posted it it must be true
2: and with that being said the point that i keep getting close to and then not getting to because i keep having other thoughts is that when you report on things like This Taylor piece written by C.T. Jones uh, on Rolling Stone in September of this year, 2022, they're reporting on the mass discussion going on on TikTok around Taylor possibly being bisexual or maybe a lesbian and having beard relationships with men and that how she's been in relationships with diana agron and carly claus and women and whatever and this reporting just because rolling stone has a relationship with taylor swift doesn't mean that this article was approved by taylor's team there would be some sort of acknowledgement to that if that was the case like in any article you've seen like For example, Spitgate with Harry and Chris Pine at the Venice Film Festival, before they both responded, there were acknowledgments that like, oh, Harry's team was asked for comment and they did not give a comment at this time. So there is nowhere in this article where it's like, we reached out to Taylor and her team for comment on this conspiracy theory and we have not heard back from them. So it's not like Taylor was reached out to. It's not like Tree, her publicist, was reached out to. That's not what's going on here. And just because there is that like a known acknowledgement that like Taylor usually has like positive things written about her on Rolling Stone's site and in their magazine or whatever the case is, that doesn't mean that every article written about her has to be approved by her team. That's just not the case. That's not how journalism works. Because if that was the case, then we would never see any salacious article written about anybody ever because every article would have to be approved by their team. And so that's where I think the frustration was. And again, I feel like it's important to acknowledge that like if Taylor were to come out as bisexual or whatever the case is, I would feel really sad for her that she felt like she had to be closeted and I'd be really happy for her that she finally was comfortable coming out. I have no issue with Taylor Swift potentially being gay but I think that at this point in time when Taylor has been very clear about like the relationship she has with Joe Alwyn and how he inspires her and how they write together and all of this stuff and how they try and keep their relationship as private as possible I think it's unkind to spread rumors like this and this is why I think it's important to talk about.
1: Yeah, on top of these points, I do also want to bring up the fact that this article was edited after it was posted, which I do think is interesting because it will often signal that, like, this was edited on, like, daytime, Mm -hmm. but you don't necessarily always know what those edits are. Sometimes you do. Sometimes they put at the bottom, like, July 9th edition or whatever. Yeah. Because don't they do that with print? Wasn't, like, what's it called when they do that to print?
2: They do retractions sometimes in print, where in the next month's edition of the magazine, in like the front of the magazine somewhere they'll be like after this article was published like we had a retraction that had to be done
1: which like yeah m- who reads that people like me but, but like not everyone <laughs> but the point is that that's journalism doing their duty yeah. of, like, they have to cross all the T's and dot all that. Yeah. And so sometimes you will see specifically what was added. Sometimes you won't. And so I, with my internet sleuthing skills and the algorithm of Twitter, found a fan who screenshotted the article when it came out versus, like, I'm pretty sure it was, like, a few hours later the same day. And I did want to point out a few of these differences because, essentially, in, in my... The way I read it is that this article was changed to give less feel to... Gaylor stands. One of those being this sentence, given that Swift's career has been marked by public reaction to relationships with very famous men, most Swift fans discount the theory with interviews of her with male partners or lyrics that they believe are dedicated to longtime boyfriend, Joe Alwyn. Okay. So this most fans discount this as Sarah just said, discount this saying, well, she's dating a man. Previously, this said Swift fans who believes she's straight discount this. And it's these things like very, very semantic things, nuance, where it's like most fans is very different from fans who think Taylor are straight because now it's saying that most fans do not agree with Gaylor. Before it was just saying fans who think Taylor is straight do not agree with Gaylor. Yeah,
2: so the thing that I find so interesting about these rewrites seems to be that, from my personal experience, is sometimes you'll have... Okay, from my personal experience, I had an editor who would edit my work, but then we had a boss. And so there would be some times where I would send my article to my editor, my editor would edit it and be like, okay, that's great. And then our boss, who had collectively like seven years more experience than both of us put together, would then later in that day read that article and be like, whoa, 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 back up a little bit. We need to change this sentence and this sentence and this sentence because you were like too specific to your personal opinions on this thing. Yeah. And that's where you see these things. Whereas like gaylers are going to see this and be like, Rolling Stone's trying to silence her. Like... They're trying to take away, like, blah, 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 whatever. But, like, saying something specifically of, like, fans that believe she's straight, that makes those fans sound like the crazy ones that are believing a conspiracy theory when she's literally only dated cis men publicly. So how can they possibly be the ones that are being insane? So we can understand going back and changing that because the original statement of fans believing that she's straight makes it sound like it's something that is weird that they believe. And so that's where you run into these issues. Again, it's not Taylor's team being like, you need to change that. It's like some senior editor at Rolling Stone after the junior editor has done the editing work that they're supposed to do for the day, coming back, looking at this and being like, oh, shit, this is getting a lot of traction on Twitter or TikTok or whatever. Let me go check this article and make sure everything's above board. And then being like, that's actually not above board. Because like we said, it's like they're reporting on something that is happening. So what they're writing is factual based off of what is what the conversation is on TikTok. But it's not like a factual thing as of right now that Taylor is gay. So this editor is going to go back and be like, hey, like you can't write these sentences in this way because it feels like you're agreeing with them when like we don't know if this is real or not.
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree. There were, yeah, there were multiple edits. Another one was the very last sentence that I think is a bit significant. They originally wrote, so even if Midnight's isn't the gay album of their dreams, they won't give up the theory. They'll play it, then pick out small bits and references they think Swift is giving them, all to let her know that when or if she ever decides to come out, she knows they're there to listen. Then it was rewritten to say, they'll play it, then pick out small bits and references they think Taylor Swift is giving them, all to let her know they're listening. So they took out the all to let her know that if or when taylor decides to come out they took out that part which i thought was pretty significant (laughs) it is interesting because it's like a fan screenshotted these and highlighted the differences so i would have never known yeah as a reader most readers would never know but it's like fans are also now going to the lengths of like screenshotting entire articles when they come out and then like realizing that hours later they're changed because like i said even if the article says it was edited you don't necessarily know what those edits were. Yeah.
2: The problem is, is that fans are doing this because they think that, again, this is like detective work that they need to do as fans to protect their favorite artist from the media who is trying to like hide their true identities or whatever nefarious thing they think the media is doing, when in fact it's just an editor trying to make sure that they don't get in trouble for posting something that sounds like a fact when it's not a fact, because then it can't be taken down for libel or defamation or slander or things like that. And kind of like saving face to some degree where it's like, okay, we can write about this conspiracy theory, but like we can't act as if we believe it because that's not what we do here. But I feel like fans are taking this to this other level where they're like, see, they're trying to hide the truth. And it's like, no, somebody just let their internal fan bias, loose by accident when writing the original article and somebody who edited it was also maybe a fan and believed that and was like oh that's fine and it's not because like again (laughs) there's not supposed to be a bias when you read these things it's supposed to be like hard and fast reporting so that's like where we run into these issues so as you can
1: see this is like an example of like a fan theory being reported on then being used by fans to say, look, it's real. But we do have, like, a whole lot of other mess going back and forth between fan stories, the media, fan stories again, the media again, all with Don't Worry Darling. And we did... (laughs) I feel like maybe this is the thing that everyone has been waiting for us to talk about (laughs) and not sure if we're going to talk about it, but we are talking about more pop culture these days. However, if you need a starter pack, Don't Worry Darling, (laughs) boy... So we have the episode for you over on Patreon. <laughs> Sarah explains literally everything there is to know <laughs> in history of Don't Worry Darling up to the point of the Venice Film Festival, which we also break down. All of that is available on Patreon.com slash Name3Songs. So if you need the context, it's there. But getting into... A whole lot of extra don't worry darling mess that has come out since the film has come out we have never seen anything like this like in the history of the internet plus film. like yes star wars movies do get a lot of like really insane fan things ganging up on actors and like just a lot of bullshit but like something to this level where it's he said she said harry said olivia said olivia's a- the evil one florence is the evil one harry well harry's never been called the evil one but he actually might be um that's an opinion it's just insane it's just insane so i'm gonna hand the table over to sarah to start wherever the hell she feels like it because there's a lot oh my
2: God. there's so many layers to the story that it maybe has more layers than an ogre or an onion <laughs> and i uh it's like the gift that keeps on giving but also
1: i would like stop i need it so- to stop Okay, here's my short opinion for context. A lot of the, Sarah mentioned this earlier, that of course there was like a lot of negative reaction within the fandom to this Harry-Olivia relationship, and as the promo for Don't Wear a Darling became more, it seems like the hatred towards Olivia became a lot more. And then once there's rumors of like, you know, she broke up with Jason Sudeikis, and then there's rumors of like Florence being mad at Olivia. Suddenly it's that everyone hates Olivia Train, and I think a lot of that fueled (laughs) some of these anonymous sources and other things that we're seeing reported on by the media, so let's let's just set that for context. Is that Olivia is already a hated figure when all of this is happening?
2: Yeah. The other thing is is that leading up to "Don't Worry, Darling," Olivia Wilde was a very private celebrity. She was famous for being on House and The OC, and then making her directorial debut. For Booksmart, which was like a very beloved film by many. And so there was a lot of buzz around Olivia, a lot of buzz about her being a potentially huge like female director, all this stuff. And like nobody really cared that much about her except for people who cared about the film and TV space. But once she got involved with Harry, it became this whole other thing because Harry is one of the most famous men in the world. And Like I said on our Patreon episode about scandals in media and just like a more media literacy 101 sort of conversation and critical thinking skill 101 conversation. When major celebrities have things going on around them, like other people are dragged in, like even if they don't want to be. And it's like an important thing to understand how all this works and how little a lot of pop culture fans really know about how paparazzi works and how news stories work and how sources work and how anonymous sources work and how legal works. And these are all things that I went over on Patreon. I'm going to give a little bit of information here because it would be rude not to. So basically, the one thing that we really need to focus on here is that Um, On the pile on for Olivia Wilde, there was an article written by Chris Lee for Vulture called Don't Worry Darling, It's Judgment Day, in which he had an anonymous source tell him that there were screaming matches between Olivia Wilde and Florence Pugh on the set of Don't Worry Darling And that there were lots of issues between them and that the set was really toxic and that there were all these issues of Harry and Olivia running off and Florence having to direct the movie. And a lot of the information that he was giving everyone was a lot of information that was also being given to Dumois as blind items. And so it's information that everybody quote unquote already knew.
1: As rumors. As rumors. um, Which is why I think they quote unquote already knew. Right. The blind item, there's no named source. And again, in the article in Vulture, there's no named source. It's it's one single anonymous source.
2: Yeah. And so when it comes to anonymous sources, which does happen a lot, like you'll read articles where it's like a source told us that like the couple super happy on their vacation or like the anonymous source that outed that Justin Bieber and Selena Gomez were on vacation to lose their virginities to each other. Things like that which like these are usually like quote unquote trusted sources to the publication it's kind of like an informant for the police a lot of the time and so sometimes people will come forward to sell a story because sometimes journalists will pay these anonymous sources To give them information. And so they will do this and think that nobody's going to come and say anything because they're just like, well, these rumors are already out. I'm not really like expanding that much on anything. Like, who's going to come for me? But people did come for this because they did not like that this was happening. And over 40 members of crew from the set of Don't Worry, Darling came forward and made a statement being like, we can't believe we fucking have to make a statement about this. But This set was not like this at all. This is nonsense. How dare you? And the writer, Chris, for this article had tweeted being like, there was so much more that I couldn't publish because legal got it in my article. That tweet has since been deleted, which means that it was probably nonsense. And he probably realized that that wasn't very smart of him as a journalist to tweet because he has a lot of years of experience like this is a senior editor at vulture like this man has been working in journalism for quite some time he and i both know that legal's not gutting an article if legal has no reason to gut an article legal only guts an article because there's no substantiated evidence towards what you've written or put in that article and this is why i say that most of the information that was here Was already rumors that were written and published online prior. So it's like, well, that's
1: already out there. We didn't start the slander. Someone else did. Right. Yeah. No, completely. I mean, as you were explaining it, that's what my mind went to. Like, (laughs) that's why he couldn't say anything else because it's information that's not out there. Yeah. And therefore, there's no credibility to it if this is going to be an anonymous source.
2: Yeah. And there are like one or two, like, kind of new things I think that were in this article, but most of it was again just kind of like going off of the initial idea of like yelling on set and being like oh warner brothers had to keep them apart from each other or whatever nonsense and a lot of people were taking these thoughts and running with them as fact
1: yeah so to me like when i saw this well First of all, I originally didn't pay attention to the Vulture article because I think it was probably – I remember sending it to Sarah and I was like, I don't have time to read this. And then Sarah was like, it was really short and it was nonsense. And then the next – I'm pretty sure it was the next day. It was like 24 hours later is when we have people saying that the crew came forward. And so it literally says, in an exclusive statement to people, personnel who worked on the Don't Worry Darling say that the rumors of on-set tensions are completely false. Quote, as a crew, we've avoided addressing the absurd gossip surrounding the movie we're so proud of, but we feel the need to correct the anonymous sources quoted in a recent article. Any allegations about unprofessional behavior on the set of Don't Worry Darling are completely false. To me, the fact that 40 people, 40 people came together to put their name on this statement really invalidates the vulture article of the anonymous source. I just like, I don't understand... Because I just feel like it looks bad for
2: everyone involved for an anonymous source of any caliber to come forward. Because they're also like later in this article, Chris writes, An anonymous executive with knowledge of the situation told us that top Warner Brothers brass are ultimately unhappy with how Wilde has handled Don't Worry Darling promotional duties. Specifically for with regard to how she's discussed LaBeouf's departure from the film and interviews which like that would make Warner Brothers look bad like that's just so unhinged that any of this would happen and then later they go in a statement. Warner Brothers told Vulture, We are so proud of the work that Olivia Wilde has done making this incredibly beautiful and entertaining film and look forward to collaborating with her again. The studio is very grateful and appreciative of the tireless support by Olivia in bringing her vision to life from production through release. Any suggestion of conflict between the studio and Olivia is simply not true. And, like, of course, they can lie in a statement. Like, that's not, I'm not saying that that's not true. But also like all of this just is just ridiculous and it's so frustrating that it's just like a dog pile on top of Olivia when it comes to all of this news. And also for the fact that like every single one of these statements, like we said, was had been blind items prior. So like nothing was new information, which is like what sat wrong with me is like we weren't learning anything new or substantial we were just getting confirmation from quote-unquote believable anonymous sources and it just felt like bullshit
1: yeah the anonymous source could have been the same person though sending Demois blind items <laughs>
2: yeah who knows and then when it comes to this like passing the ball back and forth between like tiktok and news media we're seeing the thing of like the news reporting on drama or not even, it was De reporting on drama, which is a gossip Instagram account. Then the news reporting on the Des Moines drama, then TikTok responding, then the news responding to TikTok's response, and back and forth, and just passing the ball back and forth between the media and TikTok. And so you even saw Stephen Colbert, who's like a very talented interviewer, very good journalist, very good at his job, having to essentially question Olivia based off of TikTok's made up nonsense about everything. And it's just like, it's demoralizing, I think, to journalists, it's demoralizing to talent. It's just, like, demoralizing to so many people.
1: The interesting thing was the response to Stephen Colbert. Uh, The response to the response to the response. But we saw people on TikTok who were saying that Olivia looked desperate to go on Stephen Colbert and clear up any answers and that this was just a redemption tour for Olivia. The fact of the matter is, I mean, like, it's not uncommon for celebrities to go on a kind of talk show And clear up rumors or like gossip. So he was like, he was essentially asking her questions that like TikTok was asking and like accusing her of. And, you know, it's very clear that they set this up, like, not in a sense of like Olivia knew she was coming on the show to address these specific things. Yeah. Because that's how late night TV works. (laughs) Yeah. To me, I didn't see it as desperate. It seemed natural for her to use this platform as a way to respond to it i don't know i just it just felt like there was a lot of people saying you know olivia wilde's doing her redemption tour this looks desperate on her and i don't completely agree with that
2: yeah i feel like olivia wilde handled the rumors and the nonsense and the line of questioning like a fucking champ like a professional i think like jenna said it's completely normal and has happened time and time again of celebrities using a sort of press tour that already existed as also, like, a redemption arc tour, depending on, like, what's been going on about them in the press. But also, the thing is, is that we live in a world where there are very few female directors. So, obviously, the director of this film is going to be interviewed. She also is in the film. So, like, it just made sense that Olivia was, like, doing this. And it was just like a weird, the weird conversation around it of being like, oh, my God, she responded so weirdly. She like was prepped for these questions. Like, yeah, that's literally how these shows work. Like celebrities go on late night talk shows because they know it's going to be like a chummy experience. It's
1: all. Yeah, it's always for the benefit of the celebrity. It's never, well, unless it was that one David Letterman when he uh, he made fun of Lindsay Lohan for going to rehab, but it's always for the benefit of the celebrity who's promoting something. Sarah and I kind of joke, like, not to go to Bat for Olivia Wilde, but we kind of are going to Bat for Olivia (laughs) Wilde here, which is the fact that, like, all of the hate, And she has gotten a lot of hate. All of the hate, like, I can confidently say that. All of the hate she's gotten is a lot rooted in fandom disliking her. Oh, A lot rooted in fandom disliking her. Again, because she's dating Harry. Because she was with Jason Sudeikis. Because there's rumors about Florence. Because there's rumors about Florence not liking her. Because there's rumors about her not doing her full directorial duties. But again, all of these are rumors. Nothing is confirmed. All of the Shia LaBeouf stuff, yes, there's questionable videos that have come out about her talking to Shia LaBeouf, but we don't have 100% context. We don't have 100% timeline of when these videos happened. We did mention this also in our Patreon episode. We don't have the full details to say yes or no, Olivia is a good person or a bad person. And it just feels like there's been a lot of dogpiling of all these things against Olivia that probably would not have happened to a male director.
2: Yeah. And, like, we're not saying Olivia Wilde's not a flawed person every person is flawed like there's not a single human who's not flawed you know but it is just all ridiculous and again i don't know if she had had a fling on set with chris pine would this be happening probably not but because it's harry styles and harry styles is like 10 years younger than her and he's the heartthrob of the century and like all of this stuff like of course there's all of this discourse because also harry's fans infantilize him speaking as a harry fan like everybody is always just like oh my sweet little baby boy like he would never and it's like harry styles sings all the songs about like oh like i disrespected you i spilled beer on your friend and i laughed about it like my wandering eye my wandering hands like harry sings about the fact that he's like a cheater disrespects women like all of the shit like harry is not the ideal boyfriend we all wish and think he would be He's just not.
1: Yeah, it is. I mean, it's interesting when you put it in that context because it's a lot of the romanticization of Harry Styles as the fans know him, not the real Harry Styles, mm-hmm. is what contributes to all of this discourse around Olivia being the villain and Harry could never be the villain in this story. But um, I, mean, it, it, I mean, it's just—it's just. I mean, if you really—if we were like <laughs> Olivia.
2: And Florence at least slightly acknowledged each other at one or two points at the premiere at Venice. Did Florence or Harry acknowledge each other once? no 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 they did not but
1: nobody was watching for that (laughs) nobody was (laughs) was watching for that because everyone thinks the tension is between Olivia and Florence and what is this the narrative that we always come back to the cat fight it's never the man's fault like I just think there's a lot of like very stereotypical tropes that are happening here that people are not questioning because it fits their narrative of I don't like Olivia Wilde we don't have all the information to say yes she's a good person no she's a bad person
2: yeah I feel like especially with the whole Like salad gate
1: (laughs) of the
2: Daily Mail being like, and this is like a whole other thing that would take a whole other hour to talk about. So I'm just going. Maybe that's our next
1: Patreon episode. I know. I'm
2: just going to nutshell it Mm -hmm. of that Olivia Wilde and Jason Sudeikis's nanny came forward and dropped a steaming pile of nonsense. To the Daily Mail and she was saying how Olivia was like an absent mother and that she was cheating on Jason and that Jason found out that she was cheating on him with Harry through like an old Apple Watch that used to be connected to messages and like how she as the nanny was in the middle of all of this and that Jason found out that Florence had hooked up with Harry first and all of this like all of this stuff. And that Olivia like won him in the end, but like then Olivia was like not being there for her kids, even though her daughter Daisy was literally in Don't Worry, Darling. So, like, that doesn't make any sense. Also, from like any experience I've had, anytime you work with any celebrity, you have to sign an NDA. So, her sharing any information is completely illegal. And again, another thing that we talked about on our Patreon episode is well, like, slightly is like selling stories to the press. And like what you can and can't get away with as the press in regards to these things. And Jason and Olivia together made a joint statement hours after this like nanny expose happened where they said, and I quote, As parents, it is incredibly upsetting to learn that a former nanny of our two young children would choose to make such false and scurrilous accusations about us publicly. Her now 18-month-long campaign of harassing us, as well as loved ones, close friends, and colleagues, has reached its unfortunate apex. We will continue to focus on raising and protecting our children with the sincere hope that she will now choose to leave our family alone. And here's the thing. Again, from my journalistic experience, it's completely possible that uh, they came to some sort of understanding between them and the Daily Mail so that this does not go to court and that they don't run into issues of anything coming up in evidence that there was like some factualness to like what this nanny said but it's a hundred percent from again from like what my knowledge proof that like it could not have been a hundred percent fact what this nanny said that they made this statement and that the Daily Mail hasn't refuted it and also that there had been a video on the Daily Mail of an interview with the nanny and that interview is no longer up. So take take from that what you will. But again, there is just this constant dogpiling because the internet is seemingly obsessed with the story and everybody's trying to get their two cents in getting their five seconds of fame, whether that be like anonymously or not, just to like add to the discourse because people like to watch the world burn.
1: Yes. It is a truly wild time out there, folks. As you can see, there was just like a lot of this reoccurring theme happening. Again, in our Patreon episode, we also talked about the Try Guys and Tom Brady and Giselle Bundchen and Adam Levine and Sumner Stroh. Again, a lot more talking about media literacy and related to those, selling stories, coming forward with stories. There's just a lot to think about. There's a lot going on in the world. There's a lot to think about. A lot of these came at the same time. A lot of this, again, as this whole episode has been, is going back and forth between the media and TikTok. Mm -hmm. And so I think our, you know, at the end of the day, our hopes for this episode is that you all become better media literate critical thinkers as we continue to grow and become better media literate critical thinkers as well. Yes, exactly. And like, (laughs) as much as we do have biased opinions, we try not to let our bias opinions get in the way too much of our critical thinking.
2: Yeah, exactly. Again, like like we've been saying, it's like I would not necessarily usually pick Olivia Wilde in the horse race of celebrity dumb of like whose horse I want to fight for or bet on in the battle of celebrity,
1: but we have to give the benefit of the doubt where it's due. Yeah,
2: and like trying to be media literate and trying to critically think about these things, it's like sometimes you need to fight a battle for somebody you might not normally want to fight a battle for or think about that often or whatever the case is. And so it's just like having the mindset to take a step back and think about what's going on and digest it in like a more, I'm writing a research paper about this topic kind of way because like you need to think about all of the sides to the story, especially when it comes to pop culture, because most people don't think about pop culture like that. But these are real people, and that's the thing at the end of the day. It's yeah. like these are real people I mean, dealing I think, with real problems.
1: I think that's a good point to like bring things full circle is that a lot of times we don't consider the impact of pop culture. And so when we see these stories going around – the media or TikTok, we don't think too heavily about them, and then it becomes this giant conversation, as this did, and this is again to going back to the Depp Heard case, same thing of like you may not really care about Depp or Heard, you may not really care that they're going to court, but like somebody did because somebody was fueling hate tweets all over the internet, and it became this giant Amber Heard is a liar campaign, when that's not a hundred percent the case, and so I think it's again it's like us thinking that pop culture doesn't matter and pop culture doesn't impact our daily lives is not true. Yeah. Because this is, again, it's like, when do we believe women? When do we not believe women? When are women being discredited in ways that aren't the most obvious? Because we're used to the media discrediting women, but we're not used to fans discrediting women. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it just kind of comes full circle in that aspect.
2: Yeah. I 100% Agree with you on that and i think that that's like a really important point to make and to think about really in the grand scheme of all of this and we hope that you guys took away like some sort of knowledge from this discussion and that you learned something and gained perspective that you might not have had prior to us discussing this because again it's like it's hard to think like this especially when you just want to be like oh i'm just having fun in fandom But remembering at the end of the day that, like, these are real people and that they are having to answer to, like, fan theories on the Internet because TikTok's become so powerful that the media is now using it to write articles or inform their interview questions and stuff like that. Like, these are all things to, like, take into account. And again, like Jenna said, it's like, you might not be the most interested in something like a court case about Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. But, like, if you're that friend in your friend group that usually has the answers to why is this misogyny or why is this misinformation or whatever the case is, sometimes you have to look into pop culture that you might not be interested in just so that you can, like, help your friends be more understanding and like more well-rounded on like what they're digesting because of like what they're interested in sometimes you just have to be that friend (laughs) so if you have any thoughts or feelings about anything that we discussed today or want any more information about what we were discussing You can come find us on social media. We are at Name3Songs on all platforms. And if you want to check out any of those Patreon episodes we were discussing as well, you can go to Patreon.com slash Name3Songs. If you have any personal grievances or you love anything Jenna or I said on our own, you can also chat with us. I'm at Sarah underscore Fagan on all platforms and Jenna is at Jenna underscore Million. So thanks for joining us this week on Name3Songs. And until next time, never let anyone make you feel
1: bad about your favorite band. And remember, you're never too cool to think twice about what you hear on the internet. Don't forget to subscribe to be notified when each episode comes out and leave us a five-star review. They really help. If you want to find out more about any of the articles we referenced in this episode, you can visit NameThroughsongs.com.
0: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in.